Hello and welcome to the Quick Link Cycling Podcast. Uh, today I am joined by an up-and-coming US cyclocross star. Um, I guess um, she came, like, uh, we crossed paths because of a, a video from a USCX race um, where it's particularly muddy um, and the clip was her and a, a fellow uh, racer sliding down on their behinds down a, a hill using expert technique, um, which is, I guess, very crash averse. So I would say in terms of technical ability, did the job as designed. Um, it's uh, Mia Azeltine. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing well. Thank you for, for joining me. And yeah, I'm sorry it's taken this long to actually get this set up. <laughs> no no worries it's hard with the different time zones and everything so I'm just happy to be here thank you for having me yeah, no worries I guess I mean it, it seems like an easy starting point but like how did you actually get into cycling in general yeah um so my family has always been into cycling like just for fun like we'd always go on like family mountain bike rides and we go out to Moab which is a super popular mountain bike destination when I was a little kid and then a local team kind of started up in our neighborhood called Avout Racing and my dad was invited to coach um, just like as a guest coach because they needed someone and he was like, yeah, you should come along. And I did. And I absolutely loved it. And I fell in love with it like right away. And yeah. And then I started just doing some races and um, and then I started like actually training and it, it was great. Just went on from there pretty much. Wow. So did, did it grow where you you know, started doing well in races and that kind of helped it or was it just pure enjoyment of the sport? Um, you know, honestly, I would say it was a little bit of both. Like it definitely helped um, that I was doing pretty well as a junior. Um, but I mean, a lot of it was also just enjoyment and getting out there and having fun. And, you know, I got to ride with a lot of my friends and I met a lot of new cool people so yeah that was a huge part of it oh well and I mean I usually ask this question much later but it feels appropriate to ask now like what <laughs> do you count as success like if you look at maybe like this year or even future years like what is success is it top tens is it winning is it like how do you quantify that um, I mean, throughout my career, I've quantified success in a lot of different ways. I think when I originally started out racing as like a 13, 14, success was really only quantified by results. Um, the first nationals that I did, I got second and I was, uh, that was 2017 mountain bike nationals. I was a 13, 14. And I was so just sad. I was literally sobbing after the podium because like, I was like, well, I, I wanted to win and I kind of failed in that sense. Small technical glitch there, but we were talking about uh, <laughs> how you quantify success. And 
you were saying how you were upset as a as a junior, uh, well, under thirteen. Um, well, okay, I'll try that one again. Under fourteen, <laughs> um, which in the UK we would say that's like youth B, yeah, youth B rider. Because um, for okay. us, junior just means under eighteen, like under seventeen that area. Got it. Um, but yeah, um, so you were saying that as a 13, 14 year old, you I, you got second at the Nationals, which I mean, it, me hearing that, I'm like, I'd be, you know, giddy with joy at that. I know. And like, even now, like if I got second to Nationals, I would be stoked. Um, but for some reason, I wasn't because I had my heart set on winning and then I didn't. So, I mean... Yeah, back then, success was only results. But now I really just think of success as if I just tried my best, if I put it all out there, and if I had fun in the process, then that's great. You know, if I tried my best and I get dead last, then whatever. Like, at least it was my best and there was nothing else I could do about it. But I mean, also, like, if I win, that's that's great too but yeah (laughs) yeah of course I mean we've already seen in last year you had several top tens top fives even podium places in in the junior ranks um this year you've had a couple of top tens uh I can't remember I was looking this up earlier I can't remember the name of the races but is it uh, two rounds of the USCX is the same weekend Mm -hmm. in Indianapolis where you got seventh and then ninth or ninth and then seventh I can't remember which order um but still two top tens in USCX like national level um so clearly having fun seems to be working for you as well Um, (laughs) I mean it's so important because I mean with all the training that you have to do with this sport like it's constant like it's not like soccer where you get an off season like you can't just randomly take like a month off you have to constantly be riding your bike and it's so important to have fun because if you're not having fun then there's no motivation and then you're just then that's kind of it (laughs) I mean yeah yeah I mean I've said it to to friends before like it's too tough a sport not to love it like Mm -hmm. if you just didn't love it then you'd be like what's the point I'm kicking my head in going like training in headwinds for what nothing Mm -hmm. like so I I totally get it and how have you found that jump from racing junior to now racing elite because there's not a lot of under 23 races so a lot of what you're having to do is elite so how are you finding that um I I really have enjoyed the jump actually because I mean, you're only as fast as the company you keep. And um, when you're kind of getting like towards the upward side in the junior ranks, like you're kind of like, okay, like I kind of want a little something more here. And I mean, when I went over to Europe for juniors, like they're so fast and I definitely get got my butt kicked over there. But um, in the US, we don't have as much um, competition here. Um, so, I mean, when you're jumping from junior to U23, it's definitely like kind of a shock to the system 
you kind of get thrown into the first race or like elite race, I guess. And you're kind of like, wow, I really am slow. And <laughs> it's just kind of like, okay, like you can only go up from here. Um, I mean, I really enjoy like passing people in races and kind of um, chasing that like carrot, I guess. I don't, um, mm. I don't know what the saying is, but like, I don't know, kind of putting a target on someone and then chasing them down throughout the whole race. That's kind of what I like to do. So I've really enjoyed it personally. Yeah. And I guess it's almost, I feel like it's possibly, maybe it's a necessary shift in thinking from like, if you were trying to do it all results based, like going from junior to elite would probably destroy you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and likewise, yeah, no. racing in Belgium, like that's notoriously just the hardest cross races. And, you know, the best of the best will always be there. And, mm-hmm. you know, you had some really good results from, from that Belgium tour, um, which is the first thing I want to talk about, actually. So I'll go to that bit first, because there's a couple of strands I wanted to pick up um, from that last answer. But yeah, how did you find racing in Belgium because you did a couple of well I say a couple a few junior races and you also did the elite uh super prestige at Zolder um Mm. so how did you find those I loved it so much like I don't know just the atmosphere um the courses in the in Belgium are so different from the U.S. and it was amazing like Zolder you would never be able to experience a course like that in the U.S. Like you just wouldn't. Um, and uh, honestly, it was so fun. It w- it had been like the most fun I had had in weeks. Um, towards the end of last cross season, um, like right around nationals, I was getting pretty just like burnt out and kind of I don't want to say like bored because I mean cross is never boring, but I was just kind of getting tired of it. It had been a long season. And then I went over to Europe and I was kind of like, wow, like this is cyclocross. Like this is why I love this sport so much. It was, it was eye-opening. Actually begs the question, like how did you get into cross rather than, because you, from what you were saying, your genesis into the sport was through mountain biking. So how mm-hmm. did you find cross? Because I know from my own experience, it's really hard to watch on TV. Oh, well, no, now it's super easy because of like GCN or flow bikes in America. I don't even know if that's how you're meant to pronounce it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, there's easy channels. Like, I don't want to sound old, but back in my day, so to speak, you know, <laughs> when I was around your age, like we were having to find like dodgy internet streams that maybe showed it and watch it live. You could not do on demand. Like if a race had already happened, you just read the results page. Tough luck, mm-hmm. you know? So how did you get into yeah. cross? Um, well, um, as I was saying earlier, after I joined the local team, um, the two main disciplines that they really supported was mountain biking and cross. And, so, I mean, naturally, I was like, well, I might as well try a cross race because all my friends were doing it. So, I mean, I'm going to go hang out with them and go do it as well. And 
the very first cross race I did, I remember it so vividly. I had like a 30 pound full suspension mountain bike. And there's a video of me wearing knee pads and elbow pads. And, and I'm going over the barriers. I'm like this 12 year old junior, like trying to like maneuver this huge, heavy bike over the barriers. And I'm so slow. And I'm watching that now. I'm just like, oh my God, what am I doing? But <laughs> it was awful. I, um, I threw my bike down after the race and I said, I would never do cross again. Like I hated it. It was so bad. <laughs> I, I mean, that that's turned out very well. Um, I, I'm glad <laughs> 12 year old you was wrong. Yeah, me too, honestly. <laughs> I, I guess then why did you pick it back up then? Cause you're like 12 year old. You was like, yeah, I'm done. Um, you know, I think I, um, started doing it again cause I was trying to maintain my fitness in the fall after the mountain bike season. And then once I started to do more races and get kind of a little bit of cross fitness under my belt, then it was more enjoyable because I wasn't like suffering as much. And then I got a cross bike and that made it a lot easier and I could actually like pick it up and do things with it. So yeah, that definitely helped me enjoy it a little bit more. And then it just kind of became habit. And then I was like, oh, I really like this. And then I made it my like main discipline. So yeah. Well, what point did that switch and why? Um, gosh, I think it switched in 2019. Um, I think so in 2019, I had a pretty rough mountain bike season because my coach was really into road cycling. So he kind of trained me for road and not for mountain biking, but I, I don't really enjoy road that much. So I was doing these road races and I was doing pretty good at them. But then when I did mountain bike races, I was not doing good at them. And then I got kind of frustrated with that. So then when the cross season came around, I was like, okay, I'm going to get, um, I'm going to get myself together here and I'm going to train really really hard for cross and it was almost kind of like a redemption because I had a terrible result at um that mountain bike nationals that year so I mean yeah and then I just really enjoyed like training for it and then I won nationals that year and then I was like okay like I think I just wanted to like do this like mainly now because this is what I really enjoy and to be honest, I've always been a fan of shorter races versus longer races. Um, so I think that helped too. Yeah, uh, that probably explains why you're not such a fan of road because a lot of the time. Right, certainly... like three and a half hour races. Yeah, mm -mm. <laughs> yeah I, I feel you in that, like, especially watching. I can't, like, I try to. And sometimes, like, road racing is just background noise if I'm working rather than mm -hmm. I can't actively watch like five hours of a race like no right cross is like 45 minutes in a burst great mm -hmm. sign me yeah, up it's interesting yeah mm. like I really like that high-end vo2 power not like endurance stuff I don't know yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense and you said about like the Belgian courses are, are like nothing you'd ever even be possible mm -hmm. to get in America like is that something firstly is that something that you prefer then the the Belgian courses oh yeah definitely 
Okay. Um, like, I think for me, there are several iconic, like, Belgian courses. I can't, I must admit, I don't watch enough of US Cross to even know if there are iconic, like, US Cross races. But, you know, there's the Koppenberg Cross, there's, there's Zonhoven with Tikoil, um, there's Coxider with a ridiculous sand, like, that lasts forever. Um, is there a, a favoured course that you've potentially not ridden because you've not had chance, but is there one you've seen that you're like, I would love to do that one? In in Belgium? Yeah, yeah. Or even just in Europe in general, but particularly Belgium. Probably either Namur or Coxide. Um, I... Namur is just so iconic and everyone that has done it that I know has just been like, okay, Namur is just crazy and it's on another level and that race is just so insane and it's different from any race I've ever done. And I'm like, okay, well, like I really want to do that because that just sounds like a crazy experience. And then um, Coxide, because I've really always been good at the sand. Um, and I just really enjoy Sandy races. So, yeah, that one for sure. Yeah, funnily, you should mention Namur, actually, because this weekend, or weekend just gone at time of recording, was the European Championships, which were held at Namur. And mm-hmm. yep. people used your patented technique um, in the Masters races. So like I the... saw that. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, it's spreading. It's clearly going to catch on. Um, oh my gosh in I don't know maybe a few months maybe it's a few years but we'll we'll see Wout van Aert or Mathieu van der Poel doing it I'm sure yeah I mean the funny thing about that like sliding video is the first lap I wrote it and it was totally rideable and faster to ride but in that race like I wasn't gonna win it I wasn't in the points either so I was just like okay, I'm going to have fun with it. And I saw the person in front of me sliding down. So I was like, whatever, I'm going to slide down. I'm going to do something I've wanted to do in a cross race for like years. And I did it and it was so fun. <laughs> and Would I did you like do a it again? Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, not if I was like actually in the competition, like if I could ride it and if I was going for speed, then I wouldn't do it, but I would totally do it again. It was so fun. Yeah, and that, I, th- I think I've watched, like, the first lap of that race, which was just the craziest stuff, because, like, that first climb, I swear there was someone, I can't even remember the rider, but they started the climb first, but they slipped back, like, literally slipped back at, into about a 30th by the end. And... Oh, yeah, like, uh, that, um, you're talking about the run-up, right? yeah. Yeah, um, literally before the race, um, my teammate ran over and was like, okay, on the run up, like, it's super slippery, you need to go to the far left, every other part of it, like, is not runnable, and you will slide down. So that was the only reason why I made it up that on the first lap. Wow. Yeah, because yeah. I was like, I, I'm sure it. people were there for like three minutes, if not more, on just one obstacle, oh, yeah. like. I'm convinced someone's still there now. 
um like we just turned yeah. up next year and they're still halfway up that climb oh my gosh like, yeah and and how are you finding like the courses this year because like i i guess more my question is because you've said you uh, kind of like university college that sort of thing so you're having to study at the same time as race and mm-hmm. i do you're in what mountain time i want to say yeah. um mm-hmm. but i've seen where like a map of where the races have been and they're all very east coast they're, they're yeah. not very mountain time friendly um in terms no. of travel like how do you find that and how do you manage to balance it all um you know it's it's pretty hard and sometimes it's quite frustrating that they don't have um a UCI sanctioned cross race um on the front range uh they used to like three years ago they had um the U.S. Cup in Belmont but then they took it away so now they're all on the east coast and it's really annoying because I have to miss like probably two days of classes a week at least if I want to um to go to the east coast races on weekends and yeah it's definitely really hard to balance for sure I have to have pretty close relationships with my professors just to be able to make it work and to convince them to work with me when I'm barely going to their class (laughs) so yeah yeah. that that must be really hard actually and like I guess it to my mind it's something that maybe gets forgotten in the media because everyone sees like just to take it to road I guess like you see Remco and you're like oh he's Mm -hmm. this phenom at the age of 19 like you know went juniors to straight to elite you know you know he's got a career guaranteed and we don't see the other stories of the people who are trying hard but have a life round cycle that isn't just cycling that mm-hmm. you know means that they might not be at x y or z race for whatever reason you're like oh my god what why are they skipping this race and it's mm-hmm. like oh actually uh like they, they would love to be there but you know they either can't afford it or they can't get time off work or time off class like i guess right. i think sometimes those stories don't get told and I think it's really interesting to hear how you're having to balance it like does that mean you're having to to make up classes like on Mondays or like do extra credit stuff I don't know how some of the U.S. system works either to be honest so um no I mean my computer science teacher is um, pretty generous and he records his classes so that I can watch the um, watch the recording like when I'm away on the weekend and it can sort of be like I'm there in person and still like seeing what's going on in class but um, none of my other classes do that and it's just kind of like well you missed like catch up on the notes or I can go into office hours sometimes I do that and ask what I missed but I mean there's no like making up class (laughs) um yeah they won't do that for me god yeah so I I don't want to like 
I guess, stress you, but like, will there be a point where you have to make a choice between cross and study or cross and... Oh, there already has been. Um, okay. With the, uh, with the Waterloo World Cup, um, I couldn't go because I had midterms. So that was just kind of that. And I was like, okay, this sucks, but I have to take my midterms because I they won't let me retake a midterm and I, I can't get a zero on a midterm. I mean, oh my gosh. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I noticed that, you weren't selected or weren't there but in my mind I just went oh you know they've probably selected you know half the candidates because it's going to be popular regardless you know Mm -hmm. Waterloo and Fayetteville like every American's probably wanting to be at that start line so Mm -hmm. I was like oh they've probably selected like half of them there and half of them at, at Fayetteville and they're just making it balanced and fair you know so each one each person gets one ride but clearly it's not that is that's not how it's happened. No, and I know that um like some of some people that I know had to miss Fayetteville as well because they had prior um like collegiate mountain bike commitments and other stuff like that. So I mean it's that way for everyone. Like every weekend we're constantly deciding, like, okay, like what cross races can I do? Like I have to make this class this day, so I can't do this weekend, but I can do this weekend. It's just a puzzle constantly. Yeah, that, that. I can't even imagine how hard that is. Um, <laughs> like, touching on Fayetteville, like, how did. Okay, from a. Certainly from a, a European perspective, you hear people saying, oh, why are they going to America? It's like no one wants to go there because it's so far away so barely any good riders are there like and but how do you find it as an american that the world cup has two rounds in in the u.s i mean it's it's really cool that we get two world cups here i mean it's really hard as an american to go over to Europe and if you're chasing the World Cup calendar to go over to Europe like multiple times in the season like it's exhausting it takes a lot of energy it's hard to um, adjust to the time zone um I mean I don't even know how like Clara Hansinger or Curtis does it it's just crazy um Mm. but I mean for the Europeans to be complaining about coming over for like two races, that's that's not fair. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I mean, we do it like the entire season. They can come over for two races <laughs> in a row. Yeah, yeah, they are like one weekend after another, aren't they? It's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and how did you find the Fayetteville race? I understand you weren't particularly well going into it. Um, mm-hmm. but, but how was that experience for you? Because it, it's your first elite World Cup, as far as I'm aware. Yeah. Um, I mean, doing a World Cup is always such an honor, and it's always a really cool experience. Um, I personally, I love the Fayetteville course. It's super fun. I've ridden it, like, however many times. I have it memorized, like, the back of my hand. Um I know the organizers put in just a ton of work to make it the way that it that it was. Um, 
but I mean, yeah, it, it was super cool. And even though I didn't get the result I was looking for, I was still really happy to be there. Oh, that's awesome. And how does it change? Because I guess like earlier in the season, we saw Anna Marie Vost do a lot of the USCX races and, and spend significant time in the US. Um, yeah. Uh, and then um, I get the Oz Cup. I want to. I think that's what it was called, or Oz Cross, something like that. Like the race mm-hmm. before Fayetteville, like literally that weekend, where there was like Inga van der Heiden, Helen Glozel, uh, Manon Bakker, You know, very good riders from the European scene racing. Yeah. You know, what would be a a, a typical US cross? Like, does that? change the the racing dynamic at all is that something you even noticed that they're there um yes (laughs) (laughs) I mean when you're warming up like on the start straight or when you're even just lining up at the start and you see all of those people it's like oh my gosh like kind of have to take a double take you're like wow like I mean these crazy fast like elite riders that have won like world championships and you know like are among the best like in the world it it's just kind of crazy and I I can't even describe it it's just uh I don't know it's just you feel just so honored to be there and you're like wow like I really I've gotten this far like there's still a ways to go obviously but I mean yeah I don't know yeah, I guess one question I have on the back of that is like, is there anyone you particularly look up to as a rider, either currently that you're like having to race against or that you were looking up to as you were coming up through the sort of youth and junior ranks? Um, Probably currently the person that I look up to is Femme Van Empel, um, because she's so young and just what she's done is just incredible especially with her age and her riding skills and her technique is just so like amazing to watch like there's a reason why she's winning and that's definitely why she's why I look up to her so much but as a junior um oh gosh probably Lucinda Brand because she's just been like the uh how many world titles does she have like quite a few doesn't she I don't actually know I'm gonna look that up while we talk um and I'll get back to you with an answer on that um all right but yeah I mean she's been like at the top for a really long time and I totally respect that so yeah absolutely and on the sort of point about Femme Van Empel, who, like, yeah, as you said, like, she's incredible. I think she's won every World Cup so far this year, um, and then won the the Europeans. So, like, every mm-hmm. big major race, she's won. Like, is there any like one part of her technique that you're trying to to sort of? I don't want to say copy, but you know what I mean, like exemplify. Or, I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, hmm. probably her, 
I would say like her skills in the mud and her ability to like run like just I don't know like she's a really good runner and I I mean cross is super um focused on running but I mean femme is easily one of the best runners in the women's elite field and I mean femme also is just crazy in the mud and in America we don't get a whole lot of muddy races um I mean, we kind of did this year at the start with Rochester and Charm, which was pretty cool. But other than that, like, we don't really get mud. So, I mean, yeah, I definitely want to get better in the mud. So I would love to um, kind of take after Femme in that sense. Yeah. And also Lucinda, because Lucinda is like the mud queen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, you certainly do see a lot of European just mud bath races. Um, mm-hmm. I swear there's one. I, I want to say it was Leuenhelt. It was just, it was a running race with occasional jumping on a bike because it was that muddy that it was almost like an inverse cyclocross. It was more like cross cyclo, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. Uh, and on the point of Lucinda Brand, uh, she's only got one world title so far. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I thought it was more than that. No, no, she got it last year. So she was in the Rainbow Bands all last year and then uh, Voss beat her at Fayetteville. Okay, that's weird. Yeah. (laughs) All right. I mean, as far as I can tell from my research, which is literally me Googling and spending five minutes trying to look while you're talking, so... (laughs) It, it could be dodgy research um, more than anything, I'll be honest. No, I'm... Jeez, though. That's kind of... That's surprising, but whatever. All right. Yeah. <laughs> it's clear, like, just chatting with you that, you know, you've got a passion for, for Europe and that style of cross course and that flavor. Like, is that something you're looking to experience again? Definitely. Uh, yeah, any, 100%. Like, are there any concrete plans? No, um, not this year. Um, I don't, to be honest, I, I don't think I'm going to make the cut for the national team trip um, just because my results haven't been quite where I wanted them to be. But, I mean, that's okay. Um, I think after nationals I'm just gonna take a little bit of time off kind of reset and hopefully do just a bunch of endurance and get back into it and then hopefully be super fast for next season so what actually happens with that national selection because that I mean I guess historically I'd always read the articles on cycling news about the the Eurocross academy coming across um, mm-hmm. you know, and they take some junior and under twenty three riders. Is that part of the same thing, or is that slightly different? Um, Eurocross Academy is different from okay. the national team, but uh, this year the um the guy who runs Eurocross Academy, Jeff Proctor, got I think he's a national team coach now. So I believe the two are like combined, and I'm not sure. Eurocross Academy is doing a Europe trip. 
for curse day period, but I'm not sure hmm. on that. Okay. And how do you get selected? Is that something you put yourself forward for? And then they go, oh, let's look at your results. Like, how does it all work? For the national team? Yeah, yeah. national team. Class? Sorry. Yeah. Um. I mean, they really just look at your results. Um. I think if you're traveling to a lot of the races on the east coast and putting in the effort they kind of know that like oh okay like you're committed you want to do this and i mean almost i'm sure everyone that i race with would absolutely love the opportunity to go so not really sure that's a problem but they uh they look at your results through well they like give um a lot of times they send out an email and they're like, okay, we'll decide who gets to go by this race. And they'll also send like, we're going to pick five people for juniors, three for U23 and all that stuff. So then you kind of know and you can make a goal and then they basically just look at your results through that race and then pick. Okay. So yeah, it sounds like you've kind of, you feel like you won't get it this year, but it is... I don't think so. <laughs> okay, but it is a certainly a, a future ambition for you to get. I, I guess, is there a lot of competition for those places? Yes, definitely. Um, especially in, like, the U23 category. Um, it's so stacked this year. Um, yeah. <laughs> God. For sure. Oh, of course, yeah. Cause, so does that mean at Nationals you're going to be racing the U23 category rather than the Elites? Even though all the races yes. you're doing at the moment are Elite races, you're going... Yep, <laughs> kind race. of sucks, but it's all right. I get maybe you don't even know the answer to that, but does will it then change how the race is raced? Because you haven't got people like... For example, I don't even know if she's doing nationals, but you haven't got Clara Honsinger there because she's not an under 23. You know, does it change the dynamics? Um, honestly, I don't think it changes it that much because in the U23, we still um, have like Maddie Monroe, who like is right up there in the elite races so it doesn't like change the pace of the race at all I would say it changes the amount of people in the race so I mean there's less people to pass and there's kind of like less people around you so I guess in that sense it's different but I mean other than that the pace is pretty much the same yeah and I'm thinking like there's some style of cross races where everyone's just smashing everything out of each other anyway so it's like mm -hmm. you're just going to be doing that with a slightly reduced field but it's still the same right uh, yeah mm -hmm. okay so i guess i want to kind of round things up then um in this very uh technically challenged um interview um mainly based <laughs> on hotel wi-fi um so like what are your your goals for the rest of this year like what it, I'm I mean we said like for you success is part part of that is having fun so you know mm -hmm. 
yeah, I guess what are you looking forward to for the rest of the season and I guess onwards to future seasons? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this season, uh, my goals are probably, I would love to get a top five at nationals um, and collegiate nationals as well. I would love to get a top five there. Um, and I mean, my other goal for this like next month coming into nationals is really just to push myself like as hard as I can. <laughs> um, and just kind of, I don't know, boost up my fitness a little bit before the big race. But I mean, yeah, that's pretty much it for this season. Oh, wow. Um, I guess one final question is how can people keep up with you on, on social media uh, and see how you're progressing? Um, they could just follow my Instagram. It's uh, at mia.azeltine. Um, I also do have a TikTok account, but I don't post on there a whole lot anymore. So, yeah, same username as my Instagram. <laughs> Lovely. Well, thank you so much. Um, yeah, you've been a wonderful guest. I hope everything goes well in, in you know, the future races. Uh, and yeah, just thank you. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> it was fun. You've been listening to Quickly Podcast, your daily microdose of pro cycling news and results. You can find us across social media at Quicklink Pod, or you can contact us by emailing show at quicklinksports.com. Share the show, and we'll be back with you tomorrow. Bye now.